The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Good morning and welcome to chapter 49 of Love Was His Meaning, Reading and Praying with Julian of Norwich. Before we get into Julian, let's do the little office that the link is found, and the link for that is found in the description. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's say together Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. I call upon you from the ends of the earth with heaviness in my heart. Set me upon the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. I will dwell in your house forever. I will take refuge under the cover of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have granted me the heritage of those who fear your name. Add length of days to the king's life. Let his ears extend over many generations. Let him sit enthroned before God forever. Bid love and faithfulness watch over him. So will I always sing the praise of your name, and day by day I will fulfill my vows. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be, will be forever. Amen. Let us say together a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. Chapter 49 To the soul this was a mighty wonder, which was continually shown in all showings, and was observed with great diligence, that our Lord God, as far as he is concerned, cannot forgive because he cannot be angry, it would be impossible. For this was shown, that all our life is all based and rooted in love, and without love we cannot live, and therefore to the soul, by which his special grace sees so obviously the exalted marvelous goodness of God, and that we are marvelously wanted to him in love, it is the most impossible thing that can be that God should be angry, for wrath and friendship are two opposites. He who lays waste and destroys our wrath and makes us humble and gentle, it is essential for us to believe that he is always clothed in that same love, humble and gentle, which is opposite to wrath. I saw full certainly, certainly that where our Lord appears, peace comes to pass, and wrath has no place. I saw no kind of wrath in God, neither for a short time nor for long, for truly as I see it, if God were to be angry even a hint, we would never have life, nor place, nor being. And truly as we have our being, from the endless power of God, and from the endless wisdom, and from the endless goodness, just as truly we have our protection in the endless power of God, in the endless wisdom, and in the endless goodness. 
Although we feel miseries, disputes, and strifes in ourselves, yet we are all mercifully enwrapped in the mildness of God, and in His humility, and in His kindliness, and in His gentleness. I saw full cer certainly that in all our endless friendship, our place, our life, and our being is in God, because that same endless goodness that keeps us that we perish not when we sin, that same endless goodness continually manages in us a peace against our wrath and our contrary failing, and with a true fear makes us realize our need strongly to seek unto God in order to have forgiveness with a grace-filled desire for our salvation. We may not be blissfully saved until we are truly in peace and in love, for that is our salvation. Although we, by the wrath and the contrariness that is in us, are now in tribulation, distress, and woe, as it falls to our blindness and frailty, yet we, are, yet we are securely safe by the merciful protection of God, so that we perish not. But we are not blissfully safe in possessing our endless joy, until we are wholly in peace and in love, that is to say, fully gratified with God, and with all his works, and with all his judgments, and loving and peaceable within ourselves, and with our fellow Christians, and with all that God loves, as love pleases, and this God's goodness carries out in us. Thus I saw that God is our true peace, and He is our sure keeper, when we are ourselves unpeaceful, and He continually works to bring us into endless peace. And thus, when we, by the action of mercy and grace, are made humble and gentle, we are completely safe. When it is truly at peace in itself, immediately the soul is wanted to God, because in Him is found no wrath. Thus I saw that when we are holy in peace and in love, we find no contrariness, nor any kind of hindrance, and that contrariness which is now in us, our Lord God of his goodness, makes most profitable for us, because that contrariness is the cause of our tribulations and all our woe, and our Lord Jesus takes those and sends them up to heaven, and there they are made more sweet and delectable than heart can think or tongue can tell, and when we come there, we shall find them ready all transformed into truly beautiful and endless honors. Thus is our God our steadfast foundation here, and He will be our complete bliss, and make us unchangeable as He is when we are there. So here we are again uh, with uh, Julian talking about this idea of there not being any wrath in God. And she spends a lot of time talking about this over several chapters. And uh, the reason for this is because the church around her, the world around her, is completely absorbed in medieval England uh, with the idea of abating and escaping God's um, wrath, either by um, by prayer and appropriation or or even by by payment with the, the issue of, of indulgences at this time. So uh, kind of the entire ecclesial system here is is based in abating God's wrath. And she is saying a fairly revolutionary thing, that there is no wrath in God. Um, our Lord God, as far as he's concerned, can't forgive. Because he can't be angry, it would be impossible. So what is there to forgive if God cannot be angry? Uh, life is all based and rooted in love. So it's the most impossible thing that can be that God should be angry, for wrath and friendship are two opposites. So if God is our friend, how can God be wrathful with us? If God understands our sin, if it, sin is behoovely, as she said earlier, uh, if, if it's fitting uh, as a being part of part of humanity, then how can God be mad at us for that part of us that that He already under that God already understands? Um, 
wrath has no place in God. Uh, and he, uh, like this, this sentence of, he who lays waste and destroys our wrath, uh, the thing she's already revealed and we'll talk more about, is the fact that wrath doesn't exist in God, wrath exists in us. And the wrath that we attribute to God is basically a projection. It's, it's us taking our own wrath and projecting it onto God who does not have wrath. Now, somebody might ask a question, and I'm going off text here because she doesn't really address this. Well, then how do you read uh, certain passages in the Bible? I mean, this last um, Sunday, obviously, uh, Jesus was, was talking about kindling a fire and how he wishes it was already burning, or parts of the Old Testament where God uh, genuinely, you know, the, the text genuinely says that God is angry. Uh, kind of the way, you know, there's not a positive answer to that. Uh, one of the things I always say about theology is theology is always about holding up differences. It's always about sometimes even holding up opposites. Uh, and being able to live in that tension. Uh, religion is not about resolving everything and getting it all into a neat package. It's about allowing us to deal with the ambiguity that exists in our lives and exists in the creation and exists in divinity. There are lots of ambiguities that we as human beings just simply can't understand. But one of the ways that I would go about thinking about this, um, resolving this, is, for instance, we've been in the Sunday lectionary, we've been reading through the prophets um, in the last few weeks, and there's a lot of talk of God's judgment and God's wrath, and it is always, uh, at least in the examples we're reading, it is always based around the fact that the people uh, of God are failing to take care of the poor, the sick, the, 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 the widowed. It's always around, it's not around assaults on God. It's always based around assaults on our, on our fellow human beings or our failure to live up to the expectations that God has for us around our fellow human beings. So therefore, maybe it's not even wrath. It's just that we deviate so far from the path that God has created for us that we are so out of step that our wrath is greater and we project it onto God. We have to remember that the, the biblical writers are human beings. We believe that they are divinely inspired. That's always kind of been the, the, the Christian position is that the writers of the gospel and, and of the rest of the scriptures are, are divinely inspired, but it's not dictated by God. So therefore, you know, one would expect to see, uh, as we are so good at as human beings, of projection of, of examples of us taking our own things and projecting them onto God, even in our scriptures. So, you know, that, that's kind of how I go about it, is uh, when I look at what God, quote, gets angry about in the Old Testament, it's always, it always seems to be something that has to do with us, um, with us failing our fellow human beings. Um, that's, so, um, what she says, if there was a wrath for not even a short time or for long. Because we have our being in God, according to Julian. So if God were to be angry, even a hint, we would not have life nor place nor being. If, we, if God were to be angry with us, we would simply cease to exist, is, is the way that she puts it. Um, so that's how far she believes that this is away from the, the nature of God. But yet we're securely safe by the merciful protection of God that we perish not. So God, even in our wrath, God, God is working to try to abate that wrath within us and is holding part of us. And there is a part of us that is always wanted to God. That's, that's one, of, one of the other insights from Julian. And she says, when, when the soul is truly at peace at itself, uh, when, 
we are um, then immediately the soul is wanted to God because in him is found no wrath. So it's it almost feels like a rubber band. What she's saying is like our soul is constantly trying to get back to God, to be wanted to God. And it's only our wrath that is holding us back. Uh, so if we are able at times uh, to make our 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 uh, wrath abate and, and, and all the other parts of, of ourselves that hold us back from God, it's almost like we immediately spring back to being wanted with God. But as she said otherwise in the text, there are ups and downs in the spiritual life. Uh, you're, it's not like you're going to achieve a particular state of being and then never, never ever feel that separation from God again. That's just not simply how our lives work. Uh, our contrariness is the cause of all our tribulations and all our woe. And God takes those and sends them up to heaven. And there they made, are made more sweet and delectable than the heart can think of or the tongue can tell. And when we come there, we shall find them ready, all transformed and into truly beautiful and endless honors. So we, we've seen this before, this idea of our, our tribulations are taken up into heaven and turned into honors. These are uh, gifts. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to... To, to translate this or or medallions you know th that's the kind of idea when he, when we say honors you know it's it's that all of our struggle here on earth is seen at the end as being a worthwhile thing that brought us closer to god and when we are finally wanted into god we will see these things as the honors that they are i wanted to read a little bit uh, from Frederick Roden this morning, just because um, he, he kind of sums up this whole idea of God not being able to be angry with us in a couple of sentences. It's a pretty pithy and good. It's our anger, not God's. It's God's mercy, not ours. All mercy comes from God, and all human acts of mercy have their source in God. And this is what's shown in Julian in every single showing. Um, so the point is that God is our steadfast foundation here because our whole being is in God. And if God were angry with us, we would cease to exist immediately. Um, but that's not possible for God to be angry with us because God uh, shows eternal friendship. Um, and God will be our complete bliss and make us unchangeable as he is when we are there. So there's this idea that at the end, we will, you know, one of the the things that she talks about is the changeability of humanity. And that's what causes our stress and our grief and all this kind of stuff. So at the end, we will be made as unchangeable as God. And when that happens, we will be truly wanted into God. All the trials and tribulations that we have gone through will be seen as honors uh, for us um, in heaven. And um, all will be well, uh, as she says, even though she can't quite get her mind around it. Neither, neither if we're being pretty honest, can we. Let's join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask your prayers for the people of Eastern Europe, particularly the people in Ukraine. 
I ask your prayers for those on our parish prayer list, and I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. Let us join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. Uh, please, until uh, the next time I see you, take care of yourselves, and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.